time of great turmoil in Gov's domain. With the destruction of the church's spire at Bodhi and a dead sun creaking through the sky, the habitat is in disarray. Opportunistic governors and self-styled warlords clash across the domain, and the very land seems to revolt. Great beasts emerge from beneath the sand, colossal creatures out of half-remembered legend. Most are benign, even benevolent, but sometimes the radiation from the dead sun corrupts these gentle giants. When that happens, the people call out for someone to stop the destruction help heal these magnificent monsters. People call out for the Monster Care Squad. These are their stories. acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the unceded territory of the Caetzee, Coquitlam, Stalo, Kwantlen, Staminas, and Musqueam people and the treaty land of the Tawasan First Nation. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Matt, your friendly guide here on Stories of a Broken Sun, an actual play anthology podcast that takes place in an original science fiction, science fantasy world. Today, we are doing one of our side stories, which we haven't done since back in season one, but we are going to be playing a new system that is going to be on Kickstarter soon, if it's not already. And that system is called Monster Care Squad from Sandy Pug Games. This is a game wherein I will just read the copy for you at the top for the pitch. All right, so it's set in a very cool original world called Aldamara. We won't be playing in that world, we'll be playing in our world, but I'll read you the pitch for the game all the same. In the world of Aldamara, monsters and humans live in harmony with one another. Humans care for monsters, provide food and shelter for them, while monsters lend their power, magic, and might to humanity. All was well for a thousand years. The world prospered and war was a forgotten thing of the past. Then tragedy struck. First in the grand city of Tanaris Mall, an elder wyvern's rage laid waste to the city, leaving thousands homeless. Then in the cliff towns of the Twin Snakes, the great new shattered the chains, and it was only through the rapid and fearless work of the city's monsters that disaster was averted. Top monster researchers went to work and discovered a terrible fact. The elder wyvern and the new were infected with a deadly poison, one that inflicted horrible wounds and could spread to other monsters with deadly efficiency. Those wounds and the poison worked together to send monsters into an uncontrollable rage. The origins of this poison are unknown to this day, but its effects are everywhere. In time, it will become known as the false gold due to the shiny, viscous fluid the infected wounds produce. The peace between humans and monsters is now an uneasy one. Monsters are afraid of who might be infecting their kind with the false gold. Humans are afraid of their city being leveled. Everyone is on eggshells, and the beautiful balance that typified Aldamara is on the brink of collapse. This is where you come in. After the false gold was identified, schools, universities, and guilds around the world began researching the vile poison and training specialist doctors to treat the sickness and wounds that the poison inflicts and a search for a cure to the toxin. These doctors are more than medics. Their patients are hundreds of feet tall, invulnerable beasts, often with a supreme intelligence and vast magical powers. These doctors must be brave, strong, and dedicated. They must face danger the likes of which are hard to comprehend and put their lives on the line in death-defying encounters. They must be warriors, inventors, acrobats, detectives, chemists, and above all heroes. They are the Monster Care Squad, and this is their story.
So obviously, because we'll be playing this in our world, this is actually something taking place on the habitat concurrently with Spectres of a Broken Sun Season 2. Monsters have emerged in the habitat over the past few months. Great towering beasts, some huge, some tiny, some in between. Chimeras, if you will. Something has gone wrong with the DNA decanting and reprocessing processes taking place underground in the great vaults and creatures that are not quite right keep coming out they're smarter than they should be larger than they should be and something is making them ill and that illness is putting them into a state of rampage so every once in a while over the past couple of months some huge creature will emerge from the earth and befriend or start helping nearby towns and villages and cities and the different sectors of gov's domain but something is driving certain of these creatures to rage and violence and so there's no unified government anymore of course as we know there is a civil war going on there are many different factions vying for control of gov's domain and uh, certain Power brokers have found themselves in control of different sectors and parts of different sectors and the remains of Bodhi and so on. And each power broker, each leader has decided to deal with these creatures and their rampages in different ways. We are going to zoom in on Sector 3. Sector 3 is where our heroes, the Sunbreakers, were born. It is a fairly nice sector. It is currently under the control of Denton Young, and Denton Young also controls Bodhi, Sector 2 and Sector 4. So uh, Denton has managed to take over a good chunk of Gov's domain with the help of Lean and uh, her crew and the bits of the army that he was able to sway to his cause using his pedigree as the son's chosen, something he's always happy to lean on when it comes to seeking power. So Denton, Den, is a man of brutal violence. Uh, so you would assume that his reaction to monsters appearing and rampaging through his domain would be kill them as dead as you can. But there are some tempering influences amongst his cabinet who have pushed him in a different direction. And so he produced and sponsored the Monsters Care Squad. This is a collection of individuals of unique talents whose job is to figure out what the heck is going on with these monsters and try to fix it before they cause too much damage in his domain. And failing that, maybe just like redirect them to somewhere he doesn't control yet. Because he is still kind of a jerk. Uh, so today I am joined by three of our wonderful players. I'll just introduce them top to bottom in Zoom here. So we're joined by Keekers. Hey, it's me, Keekers. Uh, she, her, also known as Bee Space Cat all over the web. Uh, yes, I'm here today playing. Um, my character is Tenpenny, the animal dentist. Short of stature, and I don't know how else to describe them uh, other than they that they use uh, they them. They're short. They have white hair, palish, pale, very pale blonde hair. Yeah, a cute button nose, big eyes. Um, love animals and especially dentistry. We're also joined by Michael Blood. Howdy, everyone. It's me, Michael Blood. They them. You can find me. On Twitter at GoodSirBlood, where I've been for many years uh, in my dark, dirty hole. For the purposes of this podcast, maybe I should take that again. <laughs> you know, the phrasing is is your choice. That's how you chose. That's what you chose to said. You said what you said. You sound like a goblin <laughs> or a troll. That's what I was going for. But then I saw Matt's face and I couldn't hold it. I, I imagine you more as a hobbit. <laughs> A tall hobbit. It's not a, it's not a dank, dirty hole. It's a, a nice, comfortable Cozy. Hole. That means comfort. And that, 
<laughs> okay, wait, tell us about uh, your character. Wow. <laughs> I'm <laughs> this evening I'm playing Yaro, who's a veteran monster wrangler, and I don't know how how veteran that uh occupation can be, but uh Yaro is a uh, is an old is an old cowboy looking man. He's got a massive white mustache. Uh, if he's not sixty five already, he's been at least sixty four for the past ten years. <laughs> but he's he's a habitat renowned masseuse, and that those are the skills that he brings in to to help save the monsters. What he brings to the table, as it were. Uh, thank you. And we are, of course, joined by Velvet. Hey everyone, I'm Velvet Shifei. Uh, happy to be back for the side story. I'm playing Isa, she, her, resident Amazon, uh, who's been kind of tasked with turning her blade uh, now to help these gargantuan animals. Wonderful. Thank you. And in this game, the guide also plays a character called the mentor. Uh, the mentor is mostly off screen, but the mentor will also assist the team from time to time in case of emergency or if everybody just really messes everything up, the mentor might need to step in. Uh, the mentor here is Seeker Cavallo, he, him. Uh, Seeker Cavallo is obviously a seeker, which is a high-ranking post in the domain of Gov. Uh, we met a seeker before, last, back in season one, Seeker Quan Joy. Seeker Cavallo is always accompanied by his six dogs. They are all highly trained rescue dogs. Uh, the dogs are Azure, Dart, Stalker, Dreg, Crag, and Bumble. And each of those dogs has been trained specifically in a different style of rescue. So you've got dogs who are good at aquatic rescue. That's Dart is good at the aquatic rescue, good swimming dog. Azure is uh, great with acrobatics, good at climbing. Uh, we've got Dreg, who is uh, excellent at you know digging, dealing with things underground. Uh, Bumble is great at controlling things that are natural disasters like fires dealing with those kinds of issues do they bounce they don't bounce unless something has gone horribly wrong they're dogs let's see <laughs> craig is Did good Mike at, just get it <laughs> is good at putting things together you know can bring different parts and uh, assemble things and of course finally stalker is uh, is the leader of the pack and is good at finding stuff good nose on stalker so those are the six dogs that seeker cavallo has each one of them looks different different sizes but all highly trained they've been working as a team for about five years okay now bumble doesn't bounce i know they do something else bumbles about <laughs> uh, cavallo himself is a man of average stature he has his hair that has been severely cropped into a buzz cut but you can see that he's starting to go bald in excellent shape and he rides a military cavalry bicycle everywhere he goes. So that's Seeker Cavallo. Those are all the characters. I'll talk a little bit about how the system works before we get started here. So every character in the system is a specialist, and the specialist has four trainings in the background, and those backgrounds are listed, and trainings are listed to stats. You've got Force, Fine, Grit, Acuity, and Allure. Force is physical strength and grand action. Fine is motor control and delicate actions. Grit is stamina and fighting spirit. Acuity is thinking and observation. And allure is leadership and charm. So you might have, for example, and you get plus one, plus one, plus zero, plus zero, and minus one to put into those, very similar to a Powered by the Apocalypse game or Iron Swarm. So for example, under Force, you might have a training in bone setting, or you might have a background as a massage specialist. Under Fine, you might have training in acupuncture and a background as an apothecary, uh, and so on. So you pick four trainings and one background to go with your stats. Then you pick a piece of specialist equipment. It's something that is unusual or unique in the world. And you also have two specialties. 
Specialties are things that your character can do that no one else can. So for example, maybe you jump higher than anyone else, or you navigate by starlight, or you can levitate for a short while. Then you pick some moves, you get two moves to start with, and then this game is broken up into three different phases. Each phase has a set of general moves that everyone can access. So you have the diagnosis phase, the synthesis phase, and the symbiosis phase. And we'll get into more information on those uh, when we start with them. Which reminds me, I did not pick a move for the mentor. I will think about that. Well, the three of you tell me about the details of your character. You can tell us briefly about their backgrounds and trainings, their special equipment, and their specialties. So would you like to start, Keekers? Uh, yes. Uh, Tenpenny, again. Their specialties are they can copy and make any animal call that they've heard before, such as, say, like a morning dove. It'd be, and they can dodge any living animal that is coming at them or moving towards them that is bigger than a goat and smaller than an orca whale. Hmm. Yes. Um, their special equipment is the special uh, monster deterrent goo that they keep with them to keep uh, really like dangerous animals from them or from others easily washable off if uh, you need to attract these monsters towards you and don't want to smell like the goo. But yes, that is their special equipment for their trainings and backgrounds aka stats for those listening tenpenny has a minus one in force specifically grappling a plus one in fine which is wound dressing plus one in grit dentistry Mm. zero in acuity which is diagnostics and zero in allure which is persuasion and my moves are crikey fascinated by monsters and have discovered a deft touch for them quite literally um when you exclaim in uncontained excitement and go to delicately pick up a monster roll plus to lower on and on a 10 plus you can ask the guide for a piece of useful information about its abilities meters or habit uh and then you gain a plus one to the next time you roll as long as you use that information if you get a seven to nine you still get the above, but you get a drawback, which is you lose something in the tussle, minus one supply, the monster could pin you, and you step back on one tick or whatever on the control track, you would place an ally in danger, you get to ask who, or the info you get is limited, clouded, or uncertain. And worst to worst, if you get a six or below, this is a feisty one. You're able to place the monster safely back where you found it, at, but not before triggering one, one of its wounds. Please excuse my horrible Australian accent. And then uh, their second move is presto, context general. Um, you can do small acts of magic, create basic illusions, walk on water for a short time, or very minor healing spells, that kind of thing. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, tell us about Yarrow. Yarrow is the greatest masseuse in Gov's domain and uh, was brought on because uh, Yarrow is extremely knowledgeable in the, uh, the, the fauna of, of, of Gov's domain. Yeah. Yarrow's specialties are that he can make a, a lean-to in all but the scarcest circumstances and that he can see in the dark, he can see perfectly well in the dark for short periods of time. Very useful. 
He's got force plus one, fine, minus one. He's got um, plus zero, plus one, and then plus zero. And he is trained in, obviously, uh, massage apothecarology, which I'm not sure what that means, but it's a wonderful word. Medicine. <laughs> yeah, producing medicine, specifically. Uh, resuscitation, monster biology, and, of course, bedside manner, as I am the greatest masseuse in all of Gov's domain. Marvelous. And my two feature or my two moves are that uh, pack rat and rider. With pack rat, I can always like up to a certain amount of times per session. I can produce uh, necessary equipment. And rider, I have a a trusty mount, which is a pony sized furry lizard named Shosher, who is extremely loyal to me, and uh, I always have enough food to feed him. Lovely. Thank you very much for sharing. And tell us finally about Isa. I am playing Isa. She her former tracker kind of convinced uh, to join these monster care squads because she wanted to you know, test her skills against the literal most dangerous game that has shown up in Gov's domain. Mm-hmm. Her equipment is an incredibly sharp set of instruments that allow her to very swiftly and thoroughly remove diseased tissue. Her specialties are that she can run faster than everyone she knows and has the steadiest hands out of her colleagues. Uh, as far as her stats, she's got plus one in both force and fine, zeros in grit and acuity, and a minus one in allure because she's not really a people person. Mm. Her two moves are opened, hidden eyes. And as long as she takes a moment to breathe and focus, she's able to see through illusions and glamours. And presto, which Kicker's already covered, but it's just, you know, some minor sort of magic moves. All right. So Seeker Cavallo, we already talked about his dogs. Uh, so Seeker Cavallo has force at minus one, trained in free climbing. They have fine at zero, trained in suturing. Grid at one, trained in resuscitation. Acuity at one, trained in engineering. Lure at zero, with a background as a dog trainer. The special move that he gets as a mentor is recon. When the team arrives at a new destination, roll plus acuity. On a 10 plus, introduce a monster care scout. They can answer one question about the monster and tell the team where it was last spotted. On a 7 to 9, the scout is in a bad position when they're introduced and probably needs some help before they can give their info. On a 6 or below, the scout is missing an action. Uh, His signature equipment is a glider suit, which allows him to glide for short distances if he jumps off somewhere high. Or if he gets thrown into the air, he can glide for a bit. Did he get that from an old man? He built it himself. Oh, okay. And his specialties are that he can speak dog, and he understands how a machine works when he looks at it in action. I didn't know we could speak animal. Dang it. Well, Seeker Cavallo can. He can speak dog. That's what Seeker Cavallo tells everyone. Next time we play this, Keva can speak goat. (laughs) Okay. I I, I think I get some moves too but i haven't chosen them so we're not going to worry about it too much because ideally i won't be around much as that character uh generally the mentor only shows up to help you out when you get to a new place they give you the job and uh, if everyone's in a real bad position so you are in sector three we zoom down from the broken sun and we briefly see that it's not as dark as it was when last we left gov's domain uh, we last left it in perpetual nighttime and perpetual shadow because the sun was broken it was no longer producing light uh, thanks to certain actions by certain people but it appears that there is some type of lighting that is currently glowing softly throughout this section of the habitat. There are, oddly enough, when you look, strips of golden light on the horizon. They go all the way across the horizon, all the way across the sky above you, and then all the way across the opposite horizon. 
This is because dense forces have been slowly working on getting the mirrors outside of the habitat cleaned off and redirected to bring light into the habitat, which has brought more power to systems like Hub, the basic systems of the station. And one of the basic systems of the station is the solar array, which is a series of solar lights that are placed in three locations around the inside of the tube that is the habitat. So those are on during the day and they're currently on. So we have daylight. It's not perfect because they have they are still working on excavating the solar lights uh, and they can only do that when they're off. Otherwise, the people excavating them would die. And uh, so the light is patchy. It's more like dawn light, pre-dawn light than full daylight, but it's a lot better than nothing. It means some food can grow, people can get around, and uh, yeah, planet of twilight, as it were. So you are at a camp outside of a town. Let's say you're at town 3-9. You're a couple towns over from town 3-7, where a bunch of dramatic stuff happened a few months ago. Uh, that information is still spreading throughout the land, but people have new concerns now, like the Civil War and the collapse of the government and the schisming of the church and religion that have sustained people for the past three centuries plus. You are in this camp outside of town 3-9, and you have got a message. And the message is from Seeker Cavallo. And Seeker Cavallo has brought the message from headquarters over in Bodhi. And let's see, what does Seeker Cavallo talk like? Oh, hey, everyone. Good to see you. I'm Seeker Cavallo, your boss. You should know me already. Seeker Cavallo's six dogs are sort of wandering around him. Azure is zipping around in circles nonstop. Uh, Dreg is sniffing under a rock and pushing it over. Dreg is a large, hefty dog, like bulldog style. And uh, dogs are just running around. Some of them are rolling on their back, waiting for someone to scratch them and so on and so forth. What are the three of you up to when Seeker Cavallo arrives? Yarrow uh, stands up from squatting next to the fire, even though that might not be necessary to even have mm. one, but he's very dramatic. And he, he walks over to one of the dogs who's um, rolled over on their belly and scratches their belly. And Yarrow says, there's two things in this world I can't abide. And that's a fascistic theocracy that determines when people live and die and an unscratched dog belly. Well, it says, I always appreciate your insights, Yarrow, and I know that Dart appreciates those belly rubs. Mm. Where are Tenpenny and Isa? He looks around, trying to find them in the camp. You lose sight of all kinds of things out here in the desert. Mm. Friends, family, least of all he's got mm, a son. Yeah, we live in interesting times, don't we? Let's see. Isa, I think one of the dogs sniffs you out. Obviously, that would be Stalker. So Stalker runs over and finds you. Uh, I'll flick Stalker like a piece of jerky from my rations. And I'm sitting in a nearby rock, like close enough within earshot, but far enough away that uh, nothing will readily see me should it approach. And I'm just sharpening my instruments. Uh, Stalker grabs the jerky out of the air and barks at you, does a circle, and does that dog pointing thing where they lift one leg and point their nose over towards the center of the camp where uh, Secret Cavallo is waiting with Yarrow and looks back at you and barks again. I'll, I'll wait like 10 seconds as a power move and then I'll start making my way over. Soccer runs around you in a circle and then leads on. And I just somehow deleted everything on my character sheet. That's great, but it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Out here in the desert, we get scrubbed clean every day. <laughs> or made new in the, in the rising of the sun. Uh, Tenpenny, you can hear a commotion at the center of camp. Uh, commotion of dogs and the sound of Yarrow dispensing wisdom and the uh, piping voice of Seeker Cavallo, your boss. Uh, Tenpenny puts down their textbook of dentistry because they're always brushing up on it because dentistry is their all-consuming passion. Of course. Sorry. I appreciate the brush pun. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Can have any cavities in knowledge. That's that's for sure. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> they start. I think ambling would be Yaro's way of walking. I'm going to say mincing their way towards the center of camp. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> now I'm just imagining them like doing a ballet walk and then skipping every couple of, of steps. Exactly. Okay. They're happy. The day started out just right. Yaro made his coffee and beans for breakfast. Ooh. Um, yep. Then they got to lay in under a tree for a while and read their textbook and then they were they did something else and then they went back to reading their textbook i guess i don't know maybe they did their daily uh brushing technique Mm -hmm. they chewed on some pine needles a branch of pine needles in the olden way or had a brush made of bone with little bristles drilled into it actually a lot of people would chew on sticks yeah, and mint as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. forget that. Lots of ancient dental techniques that we have forgotten today and still know. Oh, charcoal to scrub. <laughs> know how to make a mint julep. It's <laughs> good cocktail. Okay. Uh, once you're gathered together, Seeker Cavallo pops a squat by the fire and uh, the dogs all line up and sit down or lie down behind him. And he says, all right, well, the day we've been waiting for has arrived. Uh, we need you to deploy right away. Right here in Sector 3, we've got a monster attack. Well, attack is a strong word. I mean, it's not deliberately going after people and eating them or anything like what happened over in Sector 5. But, uh, you know, this big old creature is, uh, well, it's a big old creature. And it stepped on a town. And most of the town is gone now. So uh, we should probably mobilize on that before it takes another step on that town or steps on another town or, you know, blunders into a city and breaks its walls or actually hurts anybody. Fortunately, that town was evacuated before the monster got there and stepped on it. So uh, we need to get moving pretty soon and uh, we'll need to figure out what's wrong with it and how to fix it. And then we'll need to go and wrangle it and do what you do so well. When you say step on the town, you mean like figuratively it was walking around through it or it was large enough to flatten? It, it flattened a section of the town as it walked past or rampaged past, I should say. So not really like walking more like stampeding almost so it was it was it's flat in town and it uh went ahead and destroyed everything and it seemed angry at the time was it in pain as far as we can tell i mean it must have been otherwise uh why would it act this way this monster has until now been uh you know a a stalwart ally of the towns in the area providing them shelter shade uh even bringing water Oh, okay. Um, is it more reptilian or avian, mammalian? That's an excellent question. Now you'll remember, and I'm going to break the fourth wall here, that I asked each of you to think of an animal larger than a goat. Why don't you tell me about the features of this monster? What's the first animal? Isa, what's the animal that you had in mind? Rhino. A rhinoceros. Okay. Ooh, good callback. Okay. And what's the animal that you had in mind? Yarrow. There's mountain cat. Mountain cat. Okay. <laughs> I had a lion. <laughs> it's a very big cat with a horn. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm feline the cat five. And, and, and I'll Gosh, darn it, <laughs> What? What did you say? Yeah. I'm feline the, the cat vibe. Yes. 
Uh, what was it that you said there, uh, Keekers? Was it lion then? Yeah, it was a lion. So I guess it has a mane to distinguish. Uh, okay. And then the animal that I had picked was turtle. <gasps> Ooh, okay. lion turtle. Rhino. Not larger than a goat, but I didn't satisfy that stipulation for myself. I mean, I'm sure some tortoises are big enough, bigger than some goats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a Galapagos is pretty, pretty big. So uh, in this case, we will say it has the head of a lion. It has the legs of a mountain cat, legs and paws of a mountain cat, the body of a rhinoceros, the shell and tail of a turtle. That's this creature that the locals have dubbed something, uh, which we might find (laughs) out once we get to that region (laughs) of the sector. Oh, gosh, I just had the worst name. (laughs) The rhinopus. The rhinopus. It's not going to be that. That's not going to be it. Thank God. <laughs> it's not even. I, <laughs> <laughs> this is it like a man bear pig? The rhino lion turtle. Uh, one of them horned, shield rhino cats. I'm very happy that Kaiju are now canon. I'm going to go to the fantasynamegenerators.com page and go to their legendary creature's name. I've been talking all night about how I wanted to heal Gamera, so I'm glad we got one of those features in there. The first two names that came up here are Chill Porn and Phone Shop, and I don't know. <laughs> oh, your God. That was the first one. <laughs> Can you say that first name again, please? Yes. I'm not going to say it again. This is worse than mine. <laughs> I am disappointed, <laughs> but also not. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. Okay. (laughs) All right. So this creature's name that the locals call it. So Secret Cabalus is, yeah, normally uh, this creature, the locals call it Ubasi. Ubasi is a kind and gentle creature. It's got that big lion head with the ruff and legs of a mountain cat, paws, the big turtle shell where people love to clamber about and children play, and that armored body of a rhinoceros. Uh, You know, it looks intimidating, but it's always been a big sweetheart. Up until now, uh, so when it started rampaging and stepped on a town, the folks got pretty concerned. So the first step we're going to need to get out there, we need to do a diagnosis, or we need to ask around, find out what's going on with Ubasi. I was hoping it had like a name like Gavin. Maybe some folks call call it Gavin, but uh, for the most part, Ubasi. Now I'm going to stick around here, up in the command post, but uh, I'm going to give you one of these, and Cavallo reaches into his satchel. And he pulls out a uh, small rectangular device and he hands it over to Yarrow and says, I know you've used one of these before. It's a wave communicator. Good, great. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run recon for you. I'm going to make some calls, send some information over the semaphore and uh, see if I can get the locals cooperating and organized before you get there. You good for transit? You need a coach or chariot or anything along those lines? I'll be writing on show sure. Yeah. I'll need something because I'm not very good at walking long distances. Well, uh, you know, you can take one of the chariots. We can lash up a, we can hitch up a couple goats. Oh, that sounds great. I suggest Cherry, Salamina, and Daniel to be on the goat chariot because I just inspected their teeth. It's all very good. Okay. I, I, I trust your judgment. Uh, I think we'll send Gavin too. So we've got all those four goats. And that'll be the chariot. You can put your equipment on there, get it loaded up. And uh, now I'm going to do a fast forward. That was a mighty fine riding you did there on that chariot. Thanks. I'm, uh, I know I always talk about deep teeth, but uh, 
there's more to life than just that. I like the wind blowing through my clothed hair. The wind is indeed blowing. Uh, the sun is beginning to dim a bit by the time you make it to the region where uh, this creature, Ubasi, has made their home. You're getting closer towards the narrow end of the sector, which means you're approaching Bodhi in sector one and the ruined tower therein. So you're in around town 3132 and the villages that stretch in between them. This is the area that Ubasi has made their home. Now, as mentioned before, there are three phases of play in Monster Care Squad, and the first phase is diagnosis. Before you can treat your patient, you're going to have to figure out what's wrong with them. Most sessions of Monster Care Squad will begin with your team having very little information about the monster on hand. Maybe you'll know what type of monster it is, what kind of damage it's caused, but you'll probably be missing some cards in your deck. That's what the diagnosis phase is all about. Diagnosis moves are all about asking around the town or village you're in for leads, looking for monster tracks and leavings, or even scouting out the monster beforehand. Success in this phase means you'll learn the exact nature of the monster's wounds to make your life easier in the next phase, synthesis, and have some extra ammo in the can for dealing with them in the symbiosis phase, which is the phase where you heal them. During the diagnosis phase, you have access to some unique moves. You have access to pull a thread, make a deal, here's what I got, in harm's way and treasured insight, and... When it's time to move on, we count up how many successes we've gotten in the diagnosis clock and we roll prognosis. So um, you can make your clocks for each phase anywhere between three to nine segments, depending on how involved you want each phase to be in this game. And you can shift that around, make one phase or another more important. Because we don't have a lot of time, I've made the first two phases four-segment clocks, meaning that you need to succeed or fail at four different little adventures or actions or investigations before we can proceed into the next phase. Now, if you fail everything that you try here, that's okay. We will still move on to the next phase. You just won't have as many advantages going in. Each phase, you can build up an amount of advantages for yourself before you move on to the next one. So you've reached this area. Uh, we'll say you're in town three, two. And you can see on the horizon beyond the walls of Town 3-2, there are uh, some of the local villages. And a notable feature here in Town 3-2 is that a section of the walls has been crushed. And several buildings within that area of the walls have been crushed as well. It's a, a fairly large area. And you can see, looking from above here, that uh, there's basically a large cat paw print that has slammed into the ground here. You can see the prints leading off into the distance in the sand. But of course, the nature of sand being shifting, those prints are beginning to fade even as you arrive here at the town. They can see a bustle of activity. People are moving back in, getting things set up again and grieving over the loss of their homes if their homes were crushed. Yeah, I was about to say that real life me would be like, take my picture with the giant cat print. But that would kind of be insensitive. You can get So I would just take a picture of it without me grinning like a mad woman. Well, we don't have cameras, but you could... Yeah, do a sketch right. of it if you wanted, or maybe sit down for a painting if that was what you desired. I'm going to take a sketch of this now because it really looks really cool. Put it in my, my sketchbook. And as they flip through the sketchbook, a lot of the more in-depth, very well-rendered drawings are of open mouths of different animals and teeth and notes taken uh, but there are other things as well uh drawn in there but um in, in this case it is now just them sketching away with some charcoal and whatever of this 
giant paw print. All right. So you've arrived at a new location. So I'm going to roll my mentor move for you here to see how well Cavallo has managed to rally the locals. So that mentor move that I have again is recon. So I roll plus acuity is plus one. So you roll two six-sided die, and then you add the relevant stats. I got a five. So when you arrive at the town, somebody runs up to you and uh, they're looking very concerned. And uh, this person is one of the local actuaries who uh, works here under the remains of the Splinter government. And she says, oh, oh, you're the Monster Care Squad. Much obliged. Oh, hello. Yes, uh, I'm actuary Fenella. Uh, so the issue is uh, your boss called ahead Secret Cavallo and asked if we could send one of our scouts out to track down the monster, maybe get some eyes on it. Uh, but uh, they went out and they haven't returned yet. So you, you might need to get out there and see if you can track them down, you know? Although before you go out, can we offer you anything to eat or drink? You know, refreshments? And salad. We do a great bean salad. Is that you said bean salad? Yeah, three beans. My word. That sounds delicious. Go for half mercy. I'll, I'll, I'll rustle up some three bean salad for you while you're making your preparations. Is it, is it actually Texas caviar? That's the best ba- bean salad ever. It's just three different kinds of beans with some sauce. So, uh, however that tickles your fancy, however you want to imagine it, you may you may thusly imagine it. That's pretty close to what Texas caviar is. It's it's beans. <laughs> it's got a tangy flavor. Uh, maybe some citrus in there. Yeah, that's a lot. Like I think the other thing in Texas caviar is also. Let me let me double check, but I think it's also like some cilantro and a whole lot of love. Yeah, uh, and of course because. You're here in Gov's domain. It's got some fungus and edible mosses mixed in there for the minerals and such. Some sand. And have your veggies. Some sand. <laughs> Putting sand in their food. <laughs> Add some texture. I think that would be an accidental. Of course. It would. Yar- Yarrow grabs a, <laughs> grabs a handful of sand and mixes it into the salad. So you you got you to gotta put some grit in your crop. Raw makes you stronger. I mean, Yarrow's mustache like filters out the sand though <laughs> to get the nutrients. Yeah, you, so. do, you do know that that would be extremely terrible for your teeth, and I would grind them down over a long period of time to the point of where you would lose a lot of them, and that would cause problems. A long time since I had my teeth. Right. And um, Tenpenny is extremely scared and and freaked out to hear that Yarrow doesn't have teeth. Well, maybe Yarrow's got false teeth or just real strong gums. Got real mighty, mighty gums. Give it to me by Gov. The Gov's gums. Yep. All right. So you're eating and you get a little buzz buzz on your wave communicator. I don't know if Yarrow's held on to it or if he gave it to someone else. Oh, that's what, yep. That's what that was. I just sort of stopped listening to him. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. What's going on? Uh, did you check in with the scout yet? A scout is in uh, my... MIA. That's bad news. There is. You're gonna you're gonna have to do something about that. That scout must have some valuable information, and also he's my cousin. Oh, I'm sure he's fine. We're fine. All right. Um, you taking a little break before you head out? Did you get some of the bean salad there? It's a local delicacy. It's remarkable. Great. I hope you didn't add sand to it. I know you love to do that, but you really ruin the umami flavor of the fungus. But I have not done that. Good. Great. Uh, so yeah, if you could if you could find my cousin. You know, he's really good at his job, so uh, I'm sure he'll have found something useful for you. Uh, I get, I'll, I'll start smoothing things over with the look, see where he could have gone. Okay, uh, check back in whenever you need to. I'm just, just uh, here in the tower. Okay, yep. Over and out. Goodbye. Yarrow hands it to Isa. 
I, I don't know what to do with that. That is that is beyond my time. Could he hear me? He sounded like he heard you. I don't appreciate Sorry. being micromanaged, so I probably won't answer next time, but I'll keep it. You're a mama or someone. <laughs> my second partner. I was about to say wife, and then I'm like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> and, um, where's that nice young, young, young lady What give us the bean salad? Fenella is... Uh, still here. She's also having some bean salad. She says, uh, can I help you? Yes, Yarrow? Yeah. Thought I might, you know, it, observing the grand tapestry of the composes, the issues before us, I thought I might step before that tapestry and what, in gazing at and admiring the peculiarities that wove it together, I might begin to pull out one of its threads. Okay. Did you have a question? That's a very beautiful bird picture. I wish I could put that in my sketchbook, but I, I think the question, uh, one of the questions we need to know is which way did the scout go? Yeah, I was get, getting to that. You know, young people always want to be hurrying off, but they can't. <laughs> yeah, where'd he go? <laughs> she points uh, towards the big hole in the wall and says, well, he went out through there and said he was going to head north. I guess it's time to comb the desert. If you could. Uh, you know, he's he's a good man and a good scout. Also, my childhood best friend. We were raised together in the same quad. What if six degrees of separation going on with everybody in this village? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone seems to be really, you know, good friends with uh, the old scout. What's his name? That fella. Nice guy. Seems like. Tenpenny is going to wink at uh her being like conspiratorial just like knowing like i think you're involved together or something she I don't looks know. back at you and just like <laughs> she makes a confused face <laughs> and says i don't catch the subtext of that their interaction what's going on uh I, i'm not sure but if you could if you could find him his name's burl and you he went Earl. Correct. He went north. Earl went north. And here is a stone tablet upon which I inscribe all of my knowledge. And once learned, I will not forget Earl's name. Earl. It's Earl. Earl's name. Good. I, I have, I have a chisel with which I can make corrections to this. <laughs> I've spent long hours in the dark contemplating. Well, it's starting to get dark. I'm not sure if you're going to head out now. I can see in the dark. That's a useful skill. We also... I'll give it a, give it a what for. We also have lanterns. Uh, you know... Don't need them. Attract <laughs> too much attention out there. Uh, well... I'll just take one and we'll leave it unlit. Okay. Uh, you're the experts here. I'll acquiesce to that. Imagine Tenpenny is like this little, like, weird, clerical, hasty bland child that is following Gero, trying to somehow absorb this earthy grit. (laughs) Well, you know, there's an easy way to get that grit. Real easy. And he lets the sand fall between his fingers. Yep. Get to get part of the land inside you. You can't never get lost in that. That land, taking it inside you, it gets lost in you. Just all sorts of Twists and turns, uh, sand takes as it blows across the dunes of your soul. <clears throat> what if I just kept it in my pockets? That'll probably do it. Okay. I, I really think that you have to e- eat it to get the most uh, earthly wisdom if you really want to get well, to Yarrow's level. 
Huh. Of course, no, there's not a man within the domain of Gov what has eaten more dirt than I. So you make your way out into the desert, heading north. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we transition with like a wind and sand going by the screen. A tumbleweed. Yeah, probably a few sand moles. So what type of moves do you think you need to make here? Probably some sort of studying the environment move. Let me let me look at these moves. Does anybody have any relevant training or background that might help you track somebody? <laughs> I am indeed a tracker. Okay. Where do you have that, uh, that training? So I have the under force are just for kind of like the, the physical aspect of having to hunt and chase quarry through long distances. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we'll say that you are moving along through the desert, following the tracks or uh, whatever the case may be. So you've got the training there uh, in tracker. Okay. Classes your specialist took when they attended monster care. These can be anything. So there's a move here called treasured insight in the diagnosis phase. Uh, when someone on your team is on the verge of a breakthrough and you have a relevant training or background, roll plus the relevant stat. On a 10 plus, say how your help changes their action. They gain plus one to their next roll as long as it makes use of your help. On a seven to nine, you still give plus one, but say how you'll get in the way of them just a little bit. So we're trying to find this person. Uh, so the tracker here is Isa. Does anyone else have a relevant training or background that would help Isa track things or a way that one of your trainings or backgrounds might assist in this environment? Would you like a soothing massage so that you may better focus your energies? That is what I can offer. I'm sort of a one-trick pony in that regard. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what uh, like minor magic cantrips, I imagine, or what is possible here. Okay, so you're out in the desert. You're following the tracks. And as you follow the tracks, you also start to see other things that have been left behind by the creature. You start to see a trail every once in a while, not necessarily a trail, but every once in a while, you notice that there's a big splash of something that's being covered over and sucked into the sand, some type of liquid that has been absorbed or is in the process of being absorbed by the desert. And at one point you come across something sticking out of the ground that is very tall and glistening and ivory. And you realize that what you're looking at is a huge tooth that probably comes from Ubasi. Oh, oh my goodness, this is one of the best things I've seen in a long time. Can you guys imagine how big it must be to make a tooth that's this size? Um, immediately, Tenpenny is going around and measuring the tooth, or at least trying to measure parts of it and then estimate how big it is, since they are very short. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be... Now that I think about it, a character theme I have going on. All beans. Yeah. And they're, and they're like looking at the tooth, assessing, is this diagnostics or dentistry to examine this tooth? Well, do you have a dentistry move? No, just a dentistry uh, stat, which is, you know. Uh, okay. So you've got, uh, you've got training in that, which means yeah. that you can use this to assist. Perhaps something that you find on this tooth can help with the tracking so we can use the treasured insight here okay because isa is you know on the verge of finding this lost scout but perhaps something about this tooth 
can assist her in her tracking skills. Did I come up with something? Because I have an idea. You absolutely can, but let's roll your grit first. So you roll 2d6 plus your grit, which is one. Oh, seven. Okay. Uh, do you have, let's see, a character ace? You can use your signature equipment as an ace, which allows you to add a d4 to your roll. You've already you've already succeeded, so you've got a seven to nine. Yeah, I, I don't really know how a monster deterrent goo would help in this yeah. situation. So we will just say that I just take the seven. Okay. And through this, we are able to tell that the way this tooth came out, that would cause a lot of bleeding. So we will be able to use a blood trail of a sort to find the beast. Mm-hmm. Perhaps with, that's what those viscous pools of liquid seeping into the desert were. Ubasi yes. blood. Thank God. <laughs> or, or Gov, sorry. How does your help assist in tracking the scout or get in the way just a little bit? I think that it would help in that it would be like, oh, this is, you know, this is from the Obasi. This is its blood coming from its mouth. We know it's headed this direction. But then the way this would hurt is that our friend Tenpenny here would not want to leave the tooth and would cause more time to be added because Tenpenny is, ooh, awesome. Tenpenny would be very obsessed with getting all these uh, sketch down and all this diagnostic or interesting knowledge about this tooth in their notebook. And the other thing that happens is on a seven to nine, you, you do also kind of get in the way a little bit. Oh, yeah. I was saying that they were getting in the way by slowing everyone down because they wanted to get all this information about the tooth. Right. So while you're trying to, while you're having this breakthrough, Isa, uh, you're still finding that uh, as much as you want to move forward and be like, oh, yes, I know where, where to go now, is you keep getting, oh, and one more thing by yeah. your friend here. We can see here, that because of the way the shoot, uh, this tooth is shaped, we can see what sort of things it more likes to snack on or eat as part of its diet. I don't know what its diet is, Arp. You have to tell me. We'll find out. Yeah. So you've put forward a hypothesis about the monster's condition based on evidence you've found. Something is causing its teeth to fall out in a way that uh, causes a lot of bleeding. So there's a move for that in the diagnostic phase called... Here's what I got. When you put forward a hypothesis about the monster's condition based on evidence you found, roll plus acuity. So let's give that one a go. You want me to roll? I do. Okay. That's Are you suggesting the can itself is Sprite? That's Coke. Coke eats through plastic. Oh my. Nope. Just a six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So without, yeah, I don't get anything from there. Unfortunately not. You you believe you you have an idea of what it might be, but as it will turn out, that will not be a part of uh, your hypothesis is not correct. Basically, um, your, your theory may get in the way later on down the line. Can I make a theory and you can tell me? Oh, wait, no, I was about to say that you can tell me that it's wrong and that <laughs> that will be our working fake theory. And I'm like, wait a second. I think that it might have large cavities from eating too much damaging food Mm, okay that brings us to isa we've got probably what you want to do here is in harm's way right Uh, move under diagnosis yes 
when you navigate a dangerous environment or situation in search of information, roll plus grit. So armed with the information you got from, uh, from Tenpenny and the direction you've been going, the trail you've been following, we'll make this roll to see if you're able to find that scout. Our how big is this tooth to spur? Oh my word, that's double sixes. That is. Ooh. Uh, it's about twice the size of a person. Okay. It's an adult crit. It is indeed. If only there were crits in this system, but that's still a very good roll. So uh, this is a diagnosis move. Okay. So on a 10 plus, tell the table what you find and get away safely. All right. So what do you find? You find the scout, obviously, and you find the scout. And as you do, you hear a distant sound and it is the sound of a lion's roar, but magnified and distorted, almost mixed with a nearly human sounding cry of pain that you hear in the distance. But unfortunately, it's not distant enough for your comfort. In fact, you can almost hear that there is a creature thudding. You can feel the tremors as it begins to continue moving towards this direction. And this is where you find the scout. The scout is at the edge of a large footprint, which is surrounded by this liquid that you saw seeping into the ground before. You know at this point, you can see that it's not blood. It's not red. It's some type of strange purple goo that is slowly seeping into the sand. And the scout has gotten stuck in this as if it had mixed with the sand to become a quicksand-like concoction. They're up to their shins trying to calmly extricate himself, but uh, their scout Burl, and uh, he sees you approach and is waving his hands and says, Oh, hello, hello. Uh, please help. Oh, I'm so glad we found you. Your uh, childhood friend told us, uh, and your cousin told us we should find you. I'll be happy to hear that you're Okay, Hero, I think we're going to need a rope. Can you lasso it around them and pull them out? And I I spend one of my pack rat points to pull a rope out of my backpack. Excellent. Yeah, so with the rope and your knowledge of survivalism and so on and so forth, you're able to easily extricate Burl from this predicament. And uh, once you've gotten him, you know, you have him lie down and increases his body you know, area, surface area that's in contact with the ground and you're able to slowly pull them out that way. And all this time you can hear the <laughs> of the creature approaching, presumably Ubasi. And as he gets out, he says, oh, we should get back to the town, but I have some valuable information for you. And okay. uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you on the way, he says. Well, get up here on the furry lizard. Okay. I've never ridden a lizard before, but I somehow just looking at you and your mustache trust you to have my safety front of mind. He clambers onto the back of the lizard. Don't worry, I'll, I'll tie you to me and I'm tied to the lizard. Excellent. It's a daisy chain of friendship. I appreciate your care. I've got excellent bedside manner. Now you get away safely as you as you would. I'm going to uh, mark a successful segment on your clock here. Yay, successful clocks. Every now and again, we feel the good clock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As you're making your way back to the town on uh, on Shosher, he details to you, you know, I wasn't able to get too good of a view of Ubasi. You know, the light was dimming and I was stuck. But I did notice that Ubasi's paws are leaking this strange liquid that is sticking to the sand. So every step Ubasi takes, more of this sand gets stuck to their feet their paws it's almost like everything they step on becomes agglomerated around their their paws like 
gigantic ever-growing boots uh, at a certain point they're going to be too huge too uh, constricted to walk without falling over and destroying everything around them what's that what's that song you're singing it sounds copyright protected <laughs> i don't have that here but uh La, 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 la. Legally enough. distinct, I'm a sea. See, the thing is, the Katamari is the sticky spirit. Yep. Okay, so you're back in the town. What else do you want to do here to find out about the monster's condition? You've got a number of moves you can draw on to fill up block segments. You got pull the thread, you got make a deal. Oh, I guess that would have made sense for us to use the make a deal move when you agreed to go and find the scout. So let's do that, make a deal. So you went and you found the scout which was uh, at the request of Alana. And uh, she is overjoyed to see her childhood friend Burl return. And, you know, they give each other a big hug. Says, I was so worried I wasn't going to see you again. And he said, well, I wouldn't miss our weekly bridge night. I would just wouldn't do. These fine folks uh, rescued me and brought me home. I think I'm going to take a break from scouting beyond the wall for a while, at least until we can rebuild the wall. Yep. And she says, while you were out, I found something for you. Um, so make a deal. Hold one. When you succeed, you've succeeded. Spend your hold on the following options. You can mark one clock segment as successful. You can gain a session ace, or you can gain one supply. Depending on which choice you make, it changes what she's got for you. Well, I velvet it was zero also. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's cool with everybody, I think we'll take the success. Yeah, why not? Automatic aid. Okay. All right. You are halfway through the diagnosis phase. I could diagnosing y'all. Uh, so you sleep through the night as the solar array powers up again in the morning. People go about their business. You can see work is taking place to rebuild the wall first. And after that, they'll rebuild the buildings inside the wall, you know, priorities. Uh, so how do you go about your day? What kind of people are you looking for? What kind of stuff do you want to do? Does anyone live outside the wall around here? There are probably some people, but most of the time, if people are living outside of the town, they would be in one of the villages nearby. Well, who has the most regular contact with the creature known as Ubasi? Well, Ubasi usually stops by our town every couple of weeks, uh, and mostly Ubasi will settle down outside the walls, and the children will go and climb all over their shell, and uh, up at the top of their shell, there's a little bit of a pond, so the water there is always clean. The kids will swim around in there. Ubasi always seems to like playing with the kids. And uh, while they're here, the, you know, the mayor and the city watch, uh, everybody just hangs, hangs around with them, chats with them. Ubasi makes uh, lots of interesting noises and almost sometimes seems like they're carrying on a conversation with us, but none of us really understand the other. So what you're saying is that a pure-hearted child will be the one who will understand Ubasi the best. I, did I say that? I, maybe? I, I, really, don't, I don't think that's what she's saying. Tensei. I don't it's I didn't possible. Even catch that at all. I mean, maybe. Do we know anyone with a pure heart? I mean, if that's the case, then none of the children in our town have pure hearts because none of them can really speak to Ubasi. Oh, I said understand. Like, oh, I not, see. Not speak. Like, we know someone that can talk to animals. That's just... That's just dogs. Maybe it's like people have a special gift to talk to a specific type of animal. Is there a place where Ubasi tends to spend most of their time? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, And uh, she leads you out uh, through the gates and you see a large depression in the sand. I say, this is usually where Ubasi settles down. And the last time you saw Ubasi that didn't involve wall smashing, what were they what were they like? And how long ago was it? It's just last week. Uh, we weren't expecting to see Ubasi again 
for a while. But uh, when they first approached the town again, we were all very excited. You know, oh, Ubasi came early. You know, everyone can take a break and celebrate and uh, the kids can go swimming in the pure water on Ubasi's shell. But uh, yeah, it, it didn't didn't go that way this time. You've got the pull a thread move here that you might want to draw. Yeah, I'm thinking I just want to roll that. I was just looking at it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, out here near around the depression, you can see there are some folks wandering around, different people. Some are taking measurements. Some are, you know, just looking sad and lost. A few are, you see one small child industriously setting a trap as if they intend to capture the monster, but it's just one of those little like tiny rabbit traps. There's no conceivable way it would do anything except get crushed. But the child seems upset. I'm going to go and talk to a few of these fine folks and drill them for information. Okay. So you roll plus your allure. I was in the mustache. If I could, can I spend my bedside manner for a D4 ace? Is that how that works? I don't really know. So aces, character aces are things your character brings to a session. They're special equipment, trainings, and backgrounds. When these are spent, they add an additional D4. So yeah, you can spend your background here, or your bedside manner training rather here. Six. Hmm. I got what you might refer to as a critical failure. So you roll the six. Uh, yeah, so on a six or below, the information you receive is false. Tell the table what's about to go wrong. Okay. So that means I'm going to mark a uh, a failure segment on your clock here. I just had like a Jumanji moment. I'm like, oh no, all these monkeys are going to come out now. Uh, so what goes wrong here is that while you're asking around, you're starting to get a bit of information, but the small child who was setting a trap runs up to you and says, hey, you there, mister. Are you here to deal with Ubasi? I mean, yep. Well, I saw Ubasi the night that the night that they destroyed my house, and I can tell you Ubasi's eyes were glowing red and there was fire coming out of them. Okay. Pretty bad. Another person standing nearby says, Oh, it does sound familiar. I think, yeah, I think I saw I think I saw fire coming out of Ubasi's eyes too. Yeah, I think you're right. Is there any there are any burn marks on the wall? Uh, you know, it's, you look over and there's some dark patches on the wall, and the kid's like, Yeah, there's a fire mark. And the guy's like, hey. I guess like yeah, yeah, that might be a fire mark. Charter just looks like it's wet. Well, how could it get wet? The kid says. There's no lake out here. And there a giant pond on Ubasi's giant back. Yeah. All right. They don't spill the pond on the town. Well, not on purpose, but if they were freaking out, you know. They're freaking out because their eyes were on fire. That's not something that typically happens with Ubasi land. No. All right. Well, I think Ubasi has a fire demon inside their head. Specifically the head. Well, yeah, that's where the eyes are. It's a serious accusation. Well, they destroyed my house. Fire demons. They haven't been sighted in over 300 years. Neither have giant monsters, mister. That's a fair point. You got me there, small child. Well, I'm going to go back to setting my trap. Yep. He scampers off. All right. Well, I've, I've forgotten what I was doing. Investigations rarely go how you expect them to. I found out some interesting information, my friends. Oh, Bossy can shoot fire out of their eyes and has a fire demon deep within her skull. And you gleaned this information from whom? Or that small child over there in the depression. In the depression. <laughs> Sorry. The one with the rabbit trap? Got layers. Yeah, that uh, the rabbit trap, I don't think we'll be able to catch you, Bossy. I'll be honest. So you know one true thing about the monster's condition and one false thing about the monster's condition that you believe to be true. Yeah. So apparently we believe that there were fire in its eyes. 
that right? As that intelligent child pointed out, them dark patches up there on the wall burn marks from when the monster shot fire out of its eyes. Hmm, and that's an interesting new symptom to add into our symptom book. So we got weird purple goo and fire eyes. And teeth. Yeah, okay. So, um, Tenpenny has written these symptoms into the symptom book, apparently. Uh, do any of your characters believe that you've got a diagnosis or you think you, you can put forward a hypothesis? I got no idea what's happening. <laughs> I'm gonna fire demon and goo. Fire demon. The fire eyes are definitely a, a tough variable to account for. An alarming symptom. Truth, it could be anything. Fever could be fighting off an infection and shooting fire out of their eyes to burn out the sickness. Or else a fire demon is causing a sickness that is the goo. Well, maybe the kid's half right. Maybe it's a sickness demon. How do we deal with a demon? Monster exorcism? There's only one way I know surefire how to get a demon outside of a giant monster. There's a well and truly living prophet of destruction somewhere out there in the desert, and I aim to catch him, and I will give them a massage. My great-grandpappy, who I am named for, invented this here device that I wear twixt my coat and my person. It is a field-deployable massage table upon which I will massage the mighty beast. I think that will probably take care of it to subdue it and calm it down. But we might need something else to take care of the very root cause of this issue. Perhaps its roots are infected. And then uh, Tenpenny gives a crazed smile. Is that a... It, it's a tooth reference, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who's going to put forward this hypothesis? I'd like to put forth the hypotheosis. All right, roll for here's what I got. So here's what I got. You know, I'm also trained in monster biology. I might just burn that ace as well. Makes sense to me. I have those monsters. That's a good bonus die. That's a four on the D4. Okay, so you've rolled a 16. Uh, your acuity is plus five. Oh, right, plus four. Plus yeah, I'm adding the, yeah, right. Okay. All right, so you rolled a 12 then. All right, on a 10 plus, pick two from the list. Mark, uh, one clock segment is successful. Gain a session ace. You know where the monster is headed next. Learn the name and effect of one wound. All right. Uh, we're getting another success, and I know the name of one of the wounds on the beast. Okay. That fills up your diagnosis clock. And one of the wounds that the beast has, you recognize that um, from the description that you've heard of a wound that is similar to the goopy foot thing that you heard about it's something that you have seen smaller animals get before when they've been exposed to splinter radiation and people colloquially just call it the goo foot got the goo foot the goo foot yep oh that animal's got the goo foot and the goo foot is basically um an excretion that comes out through the pores of the animal's legs and it gathers around it sort of it takes over it takes over sweat glands it's an infection of the sweat glands so because a lot of animals sweat for, through their paw pads yeah, that's right okay. so it takes over the sweat glands in their in their paw pads and uh secretes this goo out of it and the goo is actually pretty caustic it can melt a lot of things on touch and it's uh it's toxic to humans as well as to most animals so this goo is it's a sticky viscous goo and it, it has this 
pylon effects because it seeps out and makes the paws sticky. The paws pick up whatever the animal's touching. The goo is also caustic. So the animals start melting things they step on and then that residue sticks to them as well. And then eventually the animal ends up basically encased in stuff and suffocates if you don't treat the goo foot properly. So the, uh, the goo foot can melt terrain and people if it gets on you and it's fresh. A goo foot's bad enough when a creature the size of a goat would gets it. But a creature the size of a bossy could have goo foot for even a week and burn everything they touch. A kid might not have been wrong about the whole fire, but instead of fire, what came out of the eyes, it were acid what came out of the feet. Mm, yes, children are stupid. Well, that's not exactly what I said, Tenpenny, but all right. So the effect of the goo foot, because it can melt terrain and people, and it can get you stuck in melted terrain, uh, it can push you back one on the control track when you're fighting for control of the, of the monster. So that's hey. the wound and the effect it has that you've learned about. So you've reached the end of the diagnosis phase here. Uh, and that means that there is a prognosis move to roll. Okay, prognosis. When the clock is full and it's time to move on, check the clock. If every segment is marked a success, gain a critical ace. Unfortunately, that did not quite happen. And ask the guide what you'll need to cure the monster's wounds. If more than one segment is marked a success, roll plus successful segments. So who would like to roll here? I'll give that a shot. I've had excellent luck so far. All right, so you roll 2d6 plus 3. Okay, you've got a 9. On a 7 to 9, either gain a critical ace or ask the guide one question about the cure. Tell me about one of them cures you got. And not the band, the cure. <laughs> no, not that. I don't like music. Distracts from the desert. Uh, you know about the cure for Goofoot. Uh, the cure for Goofoot is you have to inject this into the sweat gland, and that can mean multiple injections. But the cure for goo foot is a, uh, an herbal mixture, a concoction that you make uh, from the sweat of a healthy dog. And you will also need um, a couple of different plants that you can find in the desert to get the juices, one from the juices of the flower, one from a pulp that you grind up in the root. And what else? Okay, so healthy dog sweat, juice of a desert flower. And Obviously pulp. sand. Sure. Pulp of a desert plant's root sand. There you go. So you know that's the cure for goo foot. Well, it sounds like we're going to have to make a mighty big batch of this cure to cure goo foot. Now, Ubasi has more than one wound. This is the one you know about in your diagnosis phase. You know about this wound and you know about this cure. So the synthesis phase is what comes next. This size. 